0: 85% of daily fantasy sports players lose. Don't be surprised. It's rigged. You're playing against thousands of lineups and experts with more tools and time. Stat Hero is the first ever daily fantasy sports book that gives the player the advantage. Here's how it works. Stat Hero shows you their lineups and dares you to beat them. It's you versus the house in a head-to-head matchup. You name your stakes and winner takes all. So go to stathero.com/capspace. You can sign up for free and right now you get 300%. Back on your first play, that's stathero.com/capspace. Don't forget that slash capspace URL to let them know that you came from us. Welcome on to a special preview of Dunked On Prime. We're doing this all week before the season starts, catching you up on many of the season previews that we've done on Dunked On Prime. And the hope, of course, is that you will subscribe for this season. We are offering not the best deal ever, because that was for founding members, but the second best deal ever for a one-year membership for Dunked On Prime total access. That includes access to our discords, our chats, the same cap sheets, and free agent lists that Danny and I use, which are updated in real time during transaction periods, and a bunch of other odds and ends as well. In addition to at least four, and recently more, subscription podcast episodes per week and the fifth dunked on episode commercial free as well so i encourage you to give it a shot this special deal is going to end when the season begins so check it out if you sign up for a year membership you can get 35 off the monthly price for dunked on prime total access enjoy the show all right, welcome on to our continuing season outlook series. We're going to talk about the Brooklyn Nets. I was so close to saying New Jersey. That shows how old I am.
1: Habit. <laughs> hey, listen, there's still the bullets in Washington to me. So. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> yeah, so
0: uh, Brian Lewis of the New York Post. How you doing, man? all right can't complain yeah well uh hopefully uh the weather in new york will be a little bit more cooperative although at least hey, at least you don't cover the knicks in which case it wouldn't matter whether you could leave your house or not because you wouldn't get to go to the games
1: right that is true that is true at least the nets let us in the building so you're right
0: uh well let's talk about this team here and i mean to me the most interesting thing is just how kevin durant looked uh, in that first preseason game i mean it's only one preseason game i th- i thought he looked uh about as good as you could have hoped for having been off for, you know, whatever it is, a year and a half now.
1: Agreed. I think uh, during the offseason or I guess during the rehab process, you know, the first thing was, you know, you talked to doctors and medical experts and they were all saying, yeah, he's, he's going to be fine. Don't worry about it. He's going to be fine. Then you talk to people that were working out with him in L.A., you know, at the... Sports Academy, and they were like, "Yeah, he looks great." But you, even he said, "You, he didn't know how he's going to look until he's on an NBA court playing against NBA player." Um, now, after seeing it, yeah, he's he's fine. I mean predictably, it's a little different scrimmaging than playing. So yeah, the first quarter, he was on fire. Second quarter, he was okay. And then he took that charge. And I don't think he hit another shot, maybe, after he took that charge. But the point is, physically, he's healthy, he's fine, he's explosive. That's all you needed to see. The rest, to me, is gravy that's what you wanted to see out of that game
0: yeah I mean and now you know th- we don't have enough to know that he's going to get back to being a top two player in the world the way he was before the injury in that 2019 playoffs I mean people probably forget at that point what a ridiculous run he was on before mm. uh, he hurt that calf but you know I-, I think I saw enough to at least say he's going to be good you know I think he's going to at least sure. play uh I think at an all-star level now when you've been off for that long I think your risk of injury is higher you know he's 32 so you know just normally you had to expect to see a little bit of a decline not to mention the fact that he's off but one thing i thought was really encouraging too is he just looks really lean he looks like he's really in great shape i mean as someone who watched him for three straight years out here in the bay you know he kind of i mean he's always like has that thin body type but he wasn't like ripped he would didn't have the reputation of someone who just like takes amazing care of his body he always just kind of had like that natural hooper body but I, i thought he looked really really good and really lean which you know especially when you're trying to regain your quickness and explosiveness after Achilles seems like a great thing to me.
1: Yeah, that's I think that's probably especially important when you consider uh he's at that age now where a lot of power forwards tend to go off a cliff right around thirty two. Yeah. Um but he's got that lean angular body where he's not putting a ton of pressure on his, you know, on his Achilles, on his knees, on his ankles, on his feet. You know, so I mean I think that'll serve him well in that.
0: Yeah. And now the Wizards, you mentioned against NBA competition, the Wizards, if you look at their defensive stats last year, it's, it's arguable whether, whether they count, uh, you know, so uh, seeing him play well against them look good. You know, does that mean he's going to be able to score on OG and Anobi in the playoffs against the Raptors? You know, we'll, we'll see, but yeah, I mean, great, a, a great first step for him. I also thought Kyrie Irving looked really, really good. And also really lean another guy who kind of, you know, his physical condition has kind of fluctuated a little bit over the years. I, th- I thought he looked great as well.
1: Yeah, that was one of the things uh, that Steve Nash was pointing out, just how explosive Kyrie looked. Now, he wasn't implying that like Kyrie hadn't been athletic before or was a non-athlete. <laughs> he was just saying, I was impressed that he could be off that long and just physically be that explosive he wasn't talking about necessarily you know his form on his jumper or how crisp the passes were he was just talking about the athleticism angle and that was something i think that uh left at least nash surprised pleasantly
0: surprised so i thought their starting lineup was interesting obviously karis Levert has been out he's got that uh mild patellar contusion this has been a, a disjointed preseason for just about everyone it's a short preseason um but so they started spencer Dinwiddie at the two Joe Harris at the three Katie at the four Uh, DeAndre Jordan Nash confirmed uh, is going to be the starting five do you think during the regular season that's how they're going to go with uh, Dinwiddie as uh, the last starter I mean I think those other four guys it seems to me are probably written in stone right now
1: I think I think the two spot could be in flux a little bit. Um, It may depend. It may depend on matchups. It may depend on form. It may depend on who's available. um, Because I do think they're going to treat Karras and pretty much most of their players with kid gloves in terms of injuries and rest and so forth. Um, I think that lineup that you see may start more than any other lineup but I do think that there will be games where we will see Karras out there starting and Dinwiddie being a six-man. Um, I could see there being games where Jared does start. Um, I certainly think there will be games where Jared deserves to start. That's a whole <laughs> separate issue. Um, but, yeah, I think we'll see a fair amount of that lineup.
0: Yeah, I, well, so so that's interesting. Say games where Jared deserves to start. That's that's been an interesting subplot. He started almost all last year, and then lo and behold, the very first game that Josh uh, Jock Vaughn was the coach, DeAndre Jordan moved into the starting lineup. Just pure coincidence, uh, no doubt. Uh, but it, so so, what do you make of that? I mean, I I think you know I was a little troubled by their defense. I think in that preseason game, the Wizards are a good offensive team, but you know they didn't have Bradley Beal or Russell Westbrook either, and they, they kind of lit them up a little bit at times. Um, Um, For Bertens. uh, Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, Bertens didn't play either. Um, So, I I mean, do you think that Jared Allen is a a better player than DeAndre Jordan? and That, you know, this is going to be, yeah. uh, Okay, why do you say that?
1: Well, here's the thing. I mean, they bring, I wouldn't say that their skill sets are completely dissimilar. Their skill sets aren't as dissimilar as, say, DeAndre and Jeff Green. Yeah. You know, or something like that. But when you consider that they are both prototypical fives, right? DeAndre has become increasingly immobile. Uh, now, he'll still bully damn near anybody in the paint, but he's not particularly mobile. And there are times when you're going to be asked to come out away from the basket. There are times you may have to switch on somebody and he's not capable of doing any of it. Um, Now that said, I do think the second unit may be more of a full court unit and the starters may be more of a half court unit. So it might work that way. Hmm. You know, I don't think they're necessarily going to be flying up and down the court as much with that first unit. So it might work, you know, it might work uh, when you have a second unit that's more of a transition screen what? that's possible in a vacuum I think Jared's better but we're not playing in a vacuum so,
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: you know because if we were playing in a vacuum it wouldn't matter who was friends with who yeah right that wouldn't matter if we were playing in a vacuum we all know the NBA is not in
0: a vacuum yeah and I think you know it's these are the type of things that kind of they play out but they play out eventually right I mean like KD oh. in particular like he has a good basketball mind you know it kind of I mean having had conversations with them over the years I mean sometimes it'll take him a little bit to kind of see how things are going but you know if he's because I mean, KD's not exactly I think at age 32 coming off to Achilles like gonna be getting through a lot of screens on the perimeter you know if there's if there's a pick and roll and KD's man is scoring every time on DeAndre Jordan because he can't get out there and KD can't get through the screen I think he's gonna recognize that eventually um and it, maybe the, a change will be made but they're gonna start this way clearly and it seems like if they get to the point where they just can't stop anybody then maybe it's like hey we tried it this way it's obvious to everyone we have to figure out something else, and maybe the same thing will happen at the two as well. I mean, it really seems like you know if they're if they have this formula where they just put all their best offensive players out there and they just outscore everyone and they win, then you know they'll stick with that. Maybe you could see someone like a Bruce Brown just getting spot minutes with the starters just because they don't have anyone else to defend and they can't stop anyone and they're losing games. So uh you know it seems like they'll start with the, the dream trio, and then if it doesn't work out, which I it, it, I think you seems like you might agree with me, it it could be a little dicey there. Then maybe they'll look to change it. Agreed.
1: Yeah. I think that's probably what we'll see. Um, I don't think I don't think that's I don't think that's an unreasonable assumption.
0: Quick break here to remind you that this is a free preview of Dunked On Prime, and we are having a sale. If you buy a yearly membership of Dunked On Prime, total access, you'll get access to our cap sheets, our chats, our free agent rankings, and of course, Dunked On five days a week, ad free, and that is at thirty five percent off. The monthly price for Dunton prime total access, or if you want, give it a shot just with a monthly membership as well and see what you've been missing with Dunton prime. We are better than ever. We can react instantly. We can do multiple episodes in a day if we want to, because we're not beholden to advertisers any longer. And also... If financial circumstances are an issue for you, we have a special deal for those in financial difficulty. You can check out my pinned tweet at NateDuncanNBA. Click on that letter for more details on that. Now back to this free preview of Dunked On Prime. So, yeah, I mean, I I thought the defense was a a little bit troubling um, in in that game. Any other, like, observations that stood out to you from uh, that first preseason game?
1: Well, that was a glaring one for me is... Their defense is going to be a work in progress. Uh, which is not shocking. That's I mean you have you figured that their offense should be fine. Defensively that's going to be an issue. Now of course All these coaches will say, oh, yeah, we want to be good on the defensive side of the ball. We want to be sound. But Nash has consistently said that since he took over. He has consistently said that's what we have to focus on. And when you look, the top three teams in the league in defensive efficiency were the top three teams in the record. I don't think that's a coincidence. And to say that the Nets were 10th, which there were... I mean, it's a whole different Nets team. I mean, this is a different starting five. You're going to have basically a different rotation, different head coach, different offensive coordinator. It's an entirely different team. Um, so I don't even know that we can pin any stock in them being 10th last year, Um, and 10th isn't going to be good enough this year. So I think that's where the overwhelming amount of their work in preseason and early in the regular season is going to have to go. It's going to have to go on the defensive end of the court, and they don't have that many defensive players. Brown is good. And you notice Brown didn't even play. Yeah, right? So they don't have a plethora of elite defensive players. They just don't. They're lacking in that. So they're going to have to play team defense.
0: Yeah. And guys like Levert, maybe you could say Torian Prince to be in, the, in this category. You know, they're guys who have focused more on their offense historically because they've been on teams where that's what's been needed. They've been trying to establish their career. So maybe you could say, hey, if, they, if Steve Nash says you're going to get on the floor, or by defending, those guys have the tools. Maybe they could get a little bit better, but yeah, I mean, I think if your core is Kyrie Irving, thirty-two year old Kevin Durant coming off an Achilles, and DeAndre Jordan during the regular season, I think they're just going to struggle defensively. Even no matter who those other two guys are, it's just hard for me to, to see that. I mean, you mentioned their tenth yesterday or yesterday last year. uh mm-hmm. You know, they had a whole different scheme as well, right? I mean, they didn't yes. they didn't have like great defensive personnel, but they kind of they worked the math. They had Jared Allen or DeAndre jordan just hang back under the rim and so you know against teams that weren't that dynamic they could force them into a lot of mid-rangers and just sort of hope that the math worked out but against great teams you know they weren't that strategy even last year wasn't going to work so i think that's interesting actually i mean if they if they got to 10th on defense i would be incredibly pleasantly surprised at least with this group um but this offense is so good. I, I will respectfully disagree with you. I think if they get to tenth on defense, that might actually be good enough to win a championship. Because I expect this to maybe be the number one offense in the NBA, and I do think at least KD in the playoffs and Kyrie in the playoffs, like they can try a little bit harder. Like we've seen them up their games in the playoffs. Um. So, uh, but I I not I don't even think they can get anywhere close to tenth with this group as of now at least.
1: Well, they're they're playing a different system, yes, and they're going to be more aggressive defensively than they were last year. Ostensibly, they probably would say they want to force more turnovers, get out and run more off of those. It remains to be seen if that can happen. And when I say good enough, I think 10th is probably, I think 10th is a reasonable goal. If you're asking me, would they finish 10th this year? Probably. If you're asking me, do I think they can win a championship with the 10th ranked defense? I'm not sure that that's the case. So I guess it depends on when I say good enough. I don't mean... That I expect them necessarily to finish above ten. I'm just saying I don't know that they'll win if they're finishing. That's what I mean. Yeah.
0: No. I. I mean, I, I, like that to me. And I don't like, expect them to win an NBA championship. Yeah. No.
1: So that—that's what I said. Yeah. I don't think that's good. That's what I mean. Yeah. No. No. I, I mean, I. I
0: have the same. I mean you don't get Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and spend a year of Kevin Durant not playing at all and pay him a max contract to not think that you're a championship contender. Like they, like they have that goal and they have players with the pedigree to get there. And so, yeah, no, I I mean, I was on the same wavelength as you with that. I mean, it just, I just think this offense could be so good that, you know, 10th might might be good enough. But yeah, you're, you're right. Historically, I mean, that has not been the case. You gotta be top 10 in both and hopefully top five in both. But the thought maybe being that if they ramp up their effort in the playoffs maybe that 10th ranked defense sure. could could maybe get to that level again I, I have the same level of skepticism on that that you do um yeah and then after the hardened trade then they're not gonna be 10th either just just kidding but <laughs> <laughs> um so any, any other like big storylines that you're focusing on uh, for these guys uh, as we go into the season that you think are going to kind of make or break these guys uh, as they're trying to win get into oh, this okay. championship realm that we're talking about about here,
1: well, yeah. I mean, last year I had put, and I don't mean to be flippant with people's health, but I had put, say, I had said if they get 120 games last season out of KD, Kyrie, and Karis, that that would be a miracle and a godsend, yeah. Um, and that was not even really expecting KD to play, right? So that's saying 120 out of Kyrie and Karis. Uh, I said, I think a hundred is more likely and they didn't get close to that as we see. So when you ask me, what am I looking at this year? Again, it's still health. You know, I still think even if KD and Kyrie are quote reasonably healthy uh, I mean, you're still basically going to be putting both of those guys in bubble wrap at every opportunity, maybe sitting, you know, back to back or, you know, limiting minutes, you know, uh, giving a, you know, practice day off here and there. I mean, I think they'll be really conservative with both of those guys. Fines be damned. So I think what you're looking at is just simply how healthy is this team? Particularly those top three players because Karras has had his litany of injuries too, as well. so... I think how healthy and how many games can they get? How many games can they get out of those three determines where they're seated, and then how healthy are those three come playoff time determines how deep they go.
0: Yeah. And I mean, the fact that both Kyrie and Kitty are looking pretty lean, I think that's at least a decent sign in that just to, especially for Kyrie who's had some knee issues, you know, there's hope there, but clearly, I mean, it, the history for both of them is not good. The history for guys coming off an Achilles, just trying to ramp your body back up to play at an NBA level and not get these niggling injuries and hamstrings and stuff like that, uh, I think is a a real challenge for this medical staff. Now they have a pretty good medical staff. I think they do a a good job. Uh They've got all, you know, you gotta, I forget what the term is. You take your medicine every day or you get your, your vittles. (laughs) What I forget what the term was of like (laughs) that they have for going in and doing like whatever your work is supposed to be there. But no, I I mean, that's obviously other than the defense, that's probably my number one concern for these guys too. And and you mentioned uh, Levert and his issues as well
1: let me I mean Kyrie's missed about I I don't have it in front of me but I think he's missed about 210 games now I'm going all the way back to do sure but but I mean when you go back to your one collegiate season and you're talking about missing 200 some odd games already that's a lot of games and then you talk about I mean KD hadn't played in 18 months and Karis most of the time suffers a significant injury over the course of the season. That's a lot of concern in your three best players. Now it doesn't mean that they won't be healthy. I'm, and it doesn't mean uh, that I'm being, you know, flippant with somebody's health. I'm just saying it is a legitimate concern that both the front office and the coaching staff have to have. No,
0: I I agree with you. I mean, and to put it in another perspective for Kyrie, this is now three of the last six seasons that he has not completed. So, I mean, that's completing the season, being healthy in the playoffs. That's the goal here. And based on the last six years, there's a 50% chance that Kyrie Irving is not going to be healthy at the end of the year, which is... That's that's why it's in his
1: contract. I mean, that's (laughs) why it's written in there. There's a reason. I don't know.
0: Um. So you mentioned you their three best players, and you put Karis Levert in that category. And I think he's interesting. You know, I think this is his age twenty six season. Correct me if if I'm wrong there. Coming up here, and do do you put him in that category for sure as as one of the three best guys? I'm interested to know. Watching him, I
1: mean, subjective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I mean, I don't. Obviously, I'm not putting him in a category with Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving, but I'm saying if I have to say the rest of the roster. Yeah, I think he's probably the most gifted of the rest of the roster. But yeah, I suppose somebody could make the argument that Spencer is as good as he is or Jared is as good as he is. But I mean, you know, it's subjective, certainly. At his best, I guess I should say. At Karis's best. That's a that's a great he's way to better than it, yeah. Jared and he's better than Spencer. And he's better than Torian and he's better than Joe. At his best. Yeah. which you don't always obviously get
0: yeah good because that's I mean he's one of the more fascinating players because I mean you mentioned it right he has that what was it 37 points in the fourth quarter in overtime against Boston last year and he had some ridiculous games in the bubble uh, as well when he was the the primary option and so I think he's built this reputation for himself he had a really good uh some moments in the playoffs in 2019 that looked pretty good uh, as well a really nice start to the 18-19 season before he had that ankle injury and so you know I think he's built a reputation based on that but then if you look at the for all numbers you know they're pretty middling you know he's below average efficiency and and you know not a great spot up shooter from three which is something that's going to be important for this team but you know, when you talk about him as a this great trade asset great prospect you know he, he could go in and be the number one option on a team I mean do, if if he were to get traded for example do you think he's at that level or do you kind of see him as more you know six man scorer type in the end
1: it probably depends on who he's playing with and what is being asked of him? You're right. He's not the most efficient player. He is more of a talented player than he is an efficient player. right? Uh, and you're right. His field goal percentages on occasion are not what you would want or what you would think when you're watching him play. Yeah. That's all 100% true. And the oddity is, you're right, his catch and shoot numbers, while they were okay maybe two years ago, they really have not been that good, um, which is an aberration. That's not normal. I mean, generally speaking, guys don't shoot better off the bounce from behind the arc than they do in a wide open catch and shoot opportunity. That's very unusual. So that's something that I think he's put a lot of work into in the offseason, because those are opportunities that he's going to get. I mean, Joe Harris is going to get tons of those opportunities. Torian is going to get those opportunities to us, to an extent, Spencer, uh, Shamit those guys are all going to get those opportunities and generally speaking those are going to be better higher percentage shots and in Karis's case for some reason they have not been hmm. so that's something that he would have to work on and he is a high usage player so there is something to be said for the argument that he might be more effective or more useful for this team separated from KD and separated from Kyrie at least up until crunch time and that also could make him more useful for a team that he's traded to than he is for this team. But yes, I do think he's probably their third most gifted you know, for whatever that
0: is. Right. One of my concerns and I I've been saying that, that they should try to move him and and I don't think the right opportunity has arisen for that. I mean, I would have loved for them to get Drew Holiday, but the Nets were never going to give up the type of package that the Bucks did. So that was that just wasn't going to happen in the, in the end. Um we do a show uh the mock off season every year with me and a bunch of other cap dorks and so we actually had the Nets trading for drew with karis being a big part of of that package but you know again the four unprotected first round picks uh, was going to be better than that with the bucks um but i do worry i think they are going to want to start him just so he kind of maintains his value uh right as as if you start bringing him off the bench it's like oh maybe this guy actually isn't that good like maybe he can't be the centerpiece of a trade and when he's not the main guy you know it's going to be tough for him to put up some of those same numbers that he was last year to where he's going to maintain that value of like hey this guy could come in and be like a real key piece for us So it'd be very interesting to see how they handle him because i mean kyrie and kd are going to be the guys now and so i i actually think spencer is better than him too uh so at least in my opinion so it could it could be interesting if he just sort of falls by the wayside like there's an organizational reason outside of just winning games that they want to keep him like very prominently involved
1: it seems to me i mean it's almost impossible It's almost impossible for him to maintain the numbers. Yeah, I mean, he's not going to be playing to a, you know, a usage rate of 30 or 29, you know, the way he was in the playoffs or the way he was down the stretch last season. That's just not going to happen. So, but yes, you could play him, you know, and he could end up being traded a month into the season a month and a half into the season that's certainly possible you know so yeah i i do think that there is an organizational reason to showcase him to put him in the best possible light if you are considering moving him
0: yeah and he'll have some chances too as you mentioned katie and kyrie are going to be on the uh the bubble wrap <laughs> plan as he so eloquently put it uh so what other rotational battles is steve nash going to kind of have to sort out here I mean, let's assume everyone's healthy for a game what mm-hmm. do you think that rotational? looks like we talked about the starting lineup with either lavert or Dinwiddie uh starting at the two harris at, at the three um what do you think we could start with some of the backup guards and wings how do you see that shaking out as far as uh who's gonna be in the rotation who may not be
1: well i mean all right so we're also including the, ba- the battle at center right sure. so basically we're assuming that those seven are given yeah uh Torian is going to have to play, and he's going to have to play better than he did last year. He was wildly inconsistent last year, even though he had guaranteed minutes coming to him because they had absolutely no other option at power forward. I mean, they had Rodan's Karuchs, who was probably even more inconsistent than Torian. Um So Torian will have to play, and he'll have to play well. Uh, that would be then eight. And then in the backcourt, obviously, Chapman is a 40% shooter or thereabouts from deep. The question is now Bruce Brown. He's one of the few really good defensive pieces they have. And we haven't seen him yet. Yeah. Uh, And Steve Nash was honest. He said, well, we have a lot of guys. And he basically just got the short end of the stick. You know, there may be times where some people don't play. Um, Now he has a skill set that theoretically they need. So that'll be interesting to see how he gets squeezed out onto the court. I don't know. I don't know what his minutes will look like. Um, Jeff Green, I think, gives you a look that you don't otherwise have. They don't have a stretch five. They don't have a big that can go out and switch. So I would think he has to play some. But again, he's 34. Generally, you don't see a guy have a career year offensively At 33, was that an aberration or was that an epiphany? I don't know. Um, But those are rotation questions, I guess, that I would see. And how how deep does he intend to go? He's got a pretty deep
0: team. I've been working with Masterclass now for probably four years, ever since Steph Curry's class on shooting and ball handling came out. And I still find more classes that I'm enjoying. My wife and I have actually been sitting down together and watching Gordon Ramsay's class and learning a ton about cooking technique that basically we're applying right away. More her than me, if we're being honest, because it is the NBA playoffs after all. I don't have a ton of time for cooking right now. But I'm just continually wowed by the quality of Masterclass Just even when they're filming him doing the class, they've got like four different cameras there. They'll show you an overhead view above him of what he's doing in the pan or the bowl. It's really just remarkable. And really, whatever you're... Interest is, and however deep you want to go into it, whether you want to just watch the videos, whether you want to work through the downloadable materials as well, and you can watch it on iOS, Android. We're casting it to our Chromecast, super easy. The way to get started with them and get unlimited access to every masterclass and fifteen percent off an annual membership is to go to masterclass.com/capspace. Easy to remember because we talk about it all the time here on the program. That's masterclass.com/capspace for fifteen percent off masterclass. Don't forget that slash capspace to let them know that you came from us. I've been working with Indochino since way back in 2015. They outfitted my wedding with a tuxedo and sport coats for my groomsmen. I've got a number of suits from them as well. There's nothing like that feeling of knowing that your clothes just fit perfectly and you're not going to get that at some store. You're not going to get that off the rack. Yeah, they say that they can customize it for you, but why should you start with something that's made for someone else and get them to try to make it fit you? Instead, Indochino makes stuff for you that fits perfectly whether it's custom fitted suits shirts casual wear and more it's all at surprisingly affordable prices their suits start at just $399 with all customizations included each piece is made your exact measurements you can customize every detail the fabric the lapel the monogram they've got awesome statement linings as well whether you want to go into one of their many north american showrooms or book a virtual style consultation. Just go to Indochino.com and you can get $50 off any purchase of $399 or more by using the code CAPSPACE at checkout. Easy to remember CAPSPACE, which I put all the time around the program. That's $50 off a purchase of $399 or more at Indochino, I-N-D-O-C-H- i-n-o indochino.com promo code cap space don't forget that cap space code to let them know you came from us it's it's ridiculously deep actually i mean as i'm looking (laughs) down this roster like we didn't mention timothy luau Cabarro. he had a wonderful bubble he was he was really good i mean i think he should be he played like he should be in somebody's rotation uh even tyler johnson uh, came back and i thought looked really really good in the bubble i was surprised that he didn't get any looks i mean he was overstretched in some of those games because he just had to run too much pick and roll but like he was shooting it well. he plays hard like like he's you know, he could be a th- uh, fourth guard off of somebody's bench who's actually decent. I, I was just I was really surprised no one was interested in him at all after what he did in the bowl because he was a good player before he started just falling apart and getting all these injuries in Miami and Phoenix. So he, he's back to I mean they really they got like depth coming out their ears here. Um, going back to what you said about Green, I, I was saying this about Markeith Morris with the Lakers too. The Lakers have all these centers and yet mm. they probably had their most success in their championship year with Markeith Morris stretching the floor and giving him a little bit right. more build mobility next to Anthony Davis and I I think Jeff Green might be the same next to Kevin Durant for the Mm -hmm. reasons you talked about where they just especially in the playoffs like they need another option like Jared Allen DeAndre Jordan I think You know, a very instructive example to me was the Celtics series against the Sixers last year where Jason Mm -hmm. Tatum, Kyrie uh, Kyrie Irving, uh, Kemba Walker coming off Mm -hmm. high screens, Joel Embiid's laying back, and they just got torched, like giving up above the break threes, off the dribble. Anybody who can hit that shot, Mm -hmm. I don't know, like DeAndre definitely can't really do much about that, Uh, you know, especially if you've got Kyrie or KD trying to get through that screen, it's really going to be ugly, so maybe Jared Allen can get out on the floor a little bit more. as you mentioned with mobility, but that's still, you really would like to be able to switch if you've got KD at the four right. and green at the five to just, and as we saw second round of the playoffs and beyond, you can't play that conventional pick and roll defense. If the offenses are just too good, you're going to get lit up. So I think, especially at the end of games, I, my guess would be that Jeff green is going to close a lot of games for these teams, at, this team at center.
1: I agree wholeheartedly. I thought that was a really shrewd pickup, really shrewd. I mean, especially when you consider how little you had to spend – and how much you know Serge Ibaka was going to get <laughs> elsewhere. And you look and you say, well, I need to fill this role. And this is all I have to fill it with. What can I get? Uh, I thought that was a really shrewd pickup. And yeah, there may be games where the matchup isn't needed. But there are a lot of games where he's going to have to be in your rotation. It, he just will. Because of the way your team is constituted. So, yeah, I think he'll play. And TLC, listen, TLC is trending up. Yeah. Um, Tyler Johnson, I agree with you offensively, but despite Despite the way he played offensively, as well as he played offensively in the bubble, I think he was a minus seventy-three or something like that. That should give you an idea how
0: bad he was defensively. All right, I will I will see uh, to you on that because I can't say I was watching the Nets incredibly closely in the bubble once they wrapped up their playoff seating. I was kind of going on, you know, the fact that he plays hard and that he used to be good before. So I'll, he does
1: play hard. Yeah. He does play hard. Uh, yeah, and I don't I don't think it's for a lack of trying. I just don't think he's. I'm not sure that he's the same player that he was yeah. physically, whatever, two years ago, two and a half years ago. I don't think he's now I'm not saying also that he can't get back to that. I'm just saying right now, the way the Nets are constituted, they have a lot of score. Forget KD. I mean, they have scoring in their backcourt, even discounting the most potent offensive threat in KD. I mean, between Kyrie and Karras and Spencer and Landry can shoot, uh, with they desperately need is some guys on the perimeter that can guard somebody that's why i'm thinking okay if it comes to playing minutes between brown and tyler if you only have one spot left in your rotation assuming we're not going 13 deep we're trying to limit this to whatever 10 on a regular basis or something like that um that's why i'm saying that bruce might have an edge but you know we haven't seen that much so who knows maybe maybe i'm wrong in that
0: thinking So any other uh, big strengths for this team that that we haven't talked about yet as we kind of start tilting our way towards uh, making a prediction uh, on this season?
1: Well, I mean, just the obvious that they do have a lot of primary ball handlers and they do have a lot of positional versatility, um, discounting the fact, obviously, that neither DJ nor Jared can face the basket, but elsewhere. They have tons of positional versatility. Guys that can play the one or the two or the two and the three. They don't have that many, I guess, that are legitimate three and four, um, other than maybe, like I said, Torian and Rodians. But for the most part, they're pretty versatile, um, positional positionally. So I would say those are the strengths that I'm looking at, plus just depth, <laughs> a lot yeah. of depth.
0: Yeah, you can rust guys, and you can put a, the bones yes. of a team out there that was, you know, has basically been a 500 team over the past couple of years without Kyrie or KD. I mean, that's that's a pretty nice right. luxury to have.
1: Right, right. And I think there will there will be those nights. You'll look at back to backs or nights where you know whatever KD played 34 and and Kyrie played 33, and then they're playing somebody two nights. After that, and they just, they don't play but yet you can actually put a representative team out there on the court.
0: Um, yeah, I think weaknesses, I mean, we, we talked about just the, the overall defense, obviously, um, <clears throat> and the strength is isolation scoring, but they don't have a ton of passing on this team. That's something that, you know, I don't expect this to be beautiful ball movement, basketball, lots of player mm-hmm. movement, and they, you know, they probably don't need that. They got spacing, and they got two great creators, and actually, I mean, you could even say four if you want to throw Dinwiddie and Laverde, in there as well so i mean they don't need to reinvent the wheel offensively but you know if you're looking for like oh we're going to run all this great action we're going to have all these great back doors guys getting open in the half court this might not be the team for you if that's the kind of basketball you like to watch
1: right they have a number of guys that you could trust as a lead guard, but they're not necessarily all out there on the court. Together. <laughs> so, right. They're not they're not going to get a ton. Of, I mean, you, you certainly you're going to get other than a very tiny snippet in the bubble. You're not going to get a lot of ball movement, you know, from your center, right? You're not going to get any kind of creativity of that ilk from your small forward spot if it's Joe. You're not going to get it from Torian. So yeah, I wouldn't say you're going to get this kind of beautiful golden state-ish ball movement. That's not what you're going to get. You will be able to say, okay, come hell or high water every night, I can put a capable point guard out on. Which, believe me, is a far cry from Sean Marks' first couple of years, (laughs) where I think he was probably still emotionally scarred and said, I'm going to get some point cards. I'm never going through that again. (laughs) Yeah. That's uh,
0: any other weaknesses
1: that, that stick out to you? Uh, uh, I mean, their pick and roll defense is an issue. Their durability is an issue. Their chemistry. And when I say chemistry, I don't mean it to imply that I think that they actively dislike each other. Yeah. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying they haven't experienced it. And you can't fake that. You know, This team hasn't gone through any battles together. This team, despite the fact that they got together, most of them or half of them, out in L.A. and played some pickup games, but they haven't played together. So they don't know how each other plays. They don't know how they like the ball. They don't know exactly where they're going to be on pin down. They they haven't experienced any of that yet. And there's no way to fake that. You have to go through it. Um, And that's compounded by the fact that you've got a condensed schedule. You've got guys that are going to have to require a lot of rest. And if they're, I think... Forced into choosing whether we're going to basically have some kind of uh, bear brine junction boys kind of camp <laughs> and risk guys health, or we're just going to have to suffer through some poor chemistry for the first half of the year. I think they will choose the latter rather than the former. So that may see them give away some games, especially in the first half of the year that they have no business, quote unquote, giving away.
0: So you mentioned the chemistry. I think the on-court chemistry, that's a a great point that I probably hadn't thought about enough. But also there's the off-court chemistry as well. And obviously KD and Kyrie and DeAndre all wanted to be there. But you also, Mm -hmm. I mean, this is something that was the subject of articles early last year, this idea that the Nets have this great organizational culture, that there's maybe a clash between Kyrie and KD who have been really successful doing things their own way trying to fit into this you know would have been a very regimented uh culture but a, also a good one before they arrived a kind of more underdog scrappy so there's that aspect there's obviously this very public trade request from james harden that you know you do the math on the salaries if he wants to be in brooklyn well there's 40 million dollars worth of salaries got to go out to uh, equal him and you know certainly some very talented players you would imagine as well um there's the whole Kyrie not speaking to the media thing. These, you know, he and Katie have been like somewhat volatile personalities in the past. So, you know, I mean, I'm not usually the first year of everyone being together when they choose to be together works out pretty well. So I don't want to overstate that, but it is something to be a little concerned about to me.
1: Oh, sure. Yeah. I, I just wanted to be clear what I was referring yeah. to, but I don't, I don't dismiss any of that. Um, I guess, starting with your earliest point first. Yeah. The, the culture, the whole Brooklyn grit culture that you can replace that already with whatever you want to call it. Brooklyn <laughs> bliss, Brooklyn glam, whatever. But this is now definitely a culture stemming from KD and Kyrie. It is what it is. Um, So that's changed. Uh, that changed the moment you got them. Um As far as, guys wanting to be together you would hope the fact that they chose to be here rather than got traded here you would hope that that means something now there's no guarantee and that doesn't mean that somebody can't get tired of somebody else or it doesn't mean that hey i genuinely like you but we're just not for whatever reason vibing on the court and winning at the clip we want. Um, But yes, you would hope that at the very least that there would be a one year honeymoon where, where it works because you guys all chose to be here and in some cases even maybe took a couple pennies less to get DeAndre yeah no that makes
0: a lot of sense and I have to say I've been encouraged by the way that Steve Nash has handled things so far I mean Kyrie did this whole thing of not speaking to the media and then they get fined and I thought that Steve Nash you know he was asked well hey did you uh did you talk to Kyrie about this he's like no (laughs) like like what I, I mean I think that's the perfect approach right like what what is Steve Nash he's out there to win basketball games just let Kyrie do what he's going to do and there's you know make it as minimal of a distraction as possible there's no reason to antagonize Kyrie internally you let the league handle that um so I, I thought he he handled that pretty well and the fact that he's kind of their hand hand-picked coach and he's a superstar he has this relationship with KD is just a very emotionally intelligent guy I think kind of similar to like Steve Kerr in that respect so I, I think you know regardless of whether he has the X's and O's chops or not coming in the number one criterion was can you relate to KD and Kyrie, and I think the early returns on that seem to be good.
1: That was job number one. Hell, job one and two. I mean, really, (laughs) that that superseded the X's and O's. It really did. Uh, And yes, there is a lot of curve when you talk to him. You can see a lot of the similarities. Uh, And he did say, listen, if this was year two or year three, I might have talked to Kyrie, but not now. Now I'm just trying to get my feet under me and make sure that I'm doing my job. Um, and as far as the, the tactics and the X's and O's in the scheme of it, I mean, at least offensively, that's why you have Mike D'Antoni. Yeah. (laughs) That's his purpose here. Uh, and you can not only lean on a head coach, but you're leaning on a head coach that has had significant success, um. It remains to be seen if Jacques, who has a far tougher job as a defensive <laughs> coordinator, uh, that's a little bit of a tougher task, I think. Tougher task and tougher ask for Jacques to be the defensive coordinator.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, he's, he's got to be like, could, could I have just been the offensive coordinator? Like, what? what? Maybe, maybe you could have hired Dan Burke from Indiana. He'll take care of the defense. Uh, maybe I could do the offense, right? How about that? Yeah. <laughs>
1: I, yeah, uh, <laughs> I would say so.
0: <laughs> um, really, One last thing before we get into predictions. Let's say James Harden, the package is Karis LeVert, couple of first-round picks. You know, Houston comes down off their crazy price that they're looking for right now. Like, no one's going to pay that, what they want this. Young, uh, a young star, all-star, and, you know, a bunch of draft picks and young prospects. I mean, that's just, that's just not going to exist anywhere. Okay. Um, you're the Nets. You do that trade?
1: I do, Because twofold, uh, well, threefold. One, I mean, you have a limited window. The windows don't last forever. And both KD and Kyrie... Obviously, can opt out year four. So as far as I'm concerned, you have a two-year window. Maybe you want to call it two-plus, whatever. So that's one reason. Two, generally speaking, at least in my history and my memory, he who gets the best player wins. Rarely, when you look at these trades, does the team that gets the best player lose the trade. Three, uh, with KD and Kyrie, the health concerns are such that he gives you Harden, I'm saying, gives you incredible security to still have another star on the court if Kyrie does a hamstring yeah. or KD does an ankle or whatever, and one of them is missing for a month or two months out of the year. Fourth, I do think that even if by some chance, and you alluded to the chemistry, whether it's on court uh, or whether it's in the locker room or it's actually basketball related. For some reason, it just doesn't work out. For some reason, I don't know, you get to the Eastern Conference finals and Milwaukee just takes them up whatever. It just doesn't work. I'm, I'm still convinced that there's value there. It's not like all of a sudden Harden will have no value. And it's not like all of a sudden Kyrie. Now, KD, I would never trade. Once I have him on my roster, I'm never letting him go. (laughs) He's one of those players, right? But it's not like for some reason it didn't work. You couldn't still trade Harden. I mean, look at what Houston is asking for. And everybody in the world knows he can't wait to get out of town. And look at what their demands are now. So if by some chance you're in the Eastern Conference Finals and it doesn't work, it's not like you can't still get value Hmm. for Harden, right? And still have the guts of a really good team because A, this team is deep. This is the fifth thing and then I'll shut up. This (laughs) team is deep. And you know you can always fill in with veteran ring chasers on a minimum, right? The Lakers found ways to do it. The Heat found ways to do it. So between the ancillary depth that's around this team, And the guys that you could fill in it's not like you would have three studs and a bunch of scrubs. Just Bama's a can't play. That's not what you're going to have, right? So my point is you still could have these three stars and a capable squad around them. So for those five reasons, I would say yes,
0: I would. All right, yeah, that is uh, that is a good summary there. I've I've talked about this in other forums uh, on my show, so I, I won't react to that. I'm sure we'll have time to talk about the, the potential Nets-hardened trade uh, in other episodes. I don't want to make uh, Brian listed me drone on for uh for ten minutes about that. So let's move on to what this team is going to be. Um, I'm happy to go first in terms of the predictions. I think they're going to be the number one or number two offense. You know, that's that uh, as long as everyone is healthy. I mean, we'll see again what Kyrie and K.D. are. I mean, I, Kyrie, I I'm very confident that he's going to be really, really good this year. He was really, really good last year, even though he was injured part of the year. I mean, I think that's kind of got lost in all the drama and the fact that he didn't play much. But I mean, he had the best stats of his career. I'll be at over twenty games, and I'll be with you know an absolute green light to do whatever he wanted at all times which he hasn't had before since he was in Cleveland before LeBron but defensively I have major concerns you know I think they're gonna be uh I have them in a tier between 18 and 26 down there with like San Antonio Chicago the Knicks Sacramento defensively so I'm concerned about that but I think you know especially when you're in the top two that's like that could take you a long way in the regular season offensively so I think these guys and they got a lot of depth too so if anyone misses time they're still going to be totally competent as we've talked about so yes the regular season doesn't matter that much to these guys but I think if you were looking at an 82 game season I'll translate this into 72 uh, with my handy spreadsheet in a second I think this team predicted to be a 52 win type of team over the course of 82 games so translate that to 72 and you get 46 wins
1: that's remarkably close. I don't have your spreadsheet, um, well, but look, I was going to yeah, go with 45. <laughs> I was going to go with 45. Okay. Um now, I think they could be better in the playoffs than they are in the regular season, because as I said, I think they will give away games in the regular season as they try to figure out. I mean, right now, Stephen Nass doesn't, I mean, taking him at his word, he does, he's not even sure who his sixth man is. Yeah. He's not even sure he has a six. He's like, well, it might be Karras, or then another day it might be Spencer, or whatever. Uh, I'm not sure he really knows who his center is. Um, I think he knows who KD wants as his center, but I'm not <laughs> sure that he knows who his center is yet. Um, you know, I'm not sure that he knows that the style, the aggressive style of defense that he wants to play, how well it'll work. I mean, there are a lot of things that he has to figure out. So I would assume that they will give away a couple of games here and there, um, and that they will probably be better in the postseason than they will in the regular season. But I would go with 45 wins in this shortened season. And I mean, I think honestly, given
0: all the assets that they have and given their clear deficiencies defensively some kind of a major move i think is going to happen with with these guys you know whether it's harden whether even it's guys in the buyout market whether it's making a trade i mean dinwiddie is another guy who they i mean they technically can extend him but they can't pay him enough in that extension so he's and i mean at some point they're gonna at least be a little bit cowed by the luxury tax i mean i think dinwiddie to me is gonna get I and mean, if you saw what fred van Vliet got i think he's dinwiddie's gonna be right in that range to me uh over right. 20 million a year and i don't don't know if with all the creation they have on this team, if they w- are willing to pay that. And for Spencer, I think he wants to go and have his own team he's been backing up D'Angelo Russell and he's been you know, backing up Kyrie. But then when he's had a chance to, you know, he's played at a not quite all-star level, but a very quality starting level. So, you know, that's one where I think it could make sense to move him and try to get a piece that's under contract that can play some defense. So, I mean, there's even on a lower level move, if not, you know, in a trade for someone like Harden or you know, Bradley Beal maybe could become available to who knows uh if the wizards play poorly so uh yeah i I think that's the biggest thing in trying to figure out how good these guys are going to be in addition to you know what kd do we get do we get all-star kd do we get all nba kd or do we get mvp kd you know i don't think anyone knows the answer to that yet and if we get mvp kd then i think they have as good a shot at winning the championship as anyone if they get all-star kd then they're you know pretty good offensive team that i think is gonna run into some problems
1: in the playoffs i think that's probably a fair description and there and you're right there is a big gap between All Star KD and MVP. There is a big range in there. Um, and I'm not, you're right. I'm not sure that we know which one we're going to get. Uh, I, we don't know which one we'll get on top end. And we don't know which one we'll get night to night. Because um, he may be All Star KD on Tuesday and then MVP KD on friday and then all nba kd on monday and then rest the next day (laughs) yeah that may be what you're in for yeah
0: and i think it's just it's going to be really hard to get a read on them during the regular season too particularly because i think the defensive effort can ramp up a lot in the playoffs potentially to to where they could be respectable um i mean gut feeling though right now what, what do you how do you see the season ending obviously there are many confounding variables we talked about so this is a tough prediction to make probably tougher than just about any team in the league frankly uh but i mean do you see this team getting to the nba finals or are they you know more of a second round exit team
1: to you right now i would say between those two yeah i think they'll get past the second round i do not think they'll make the finals i could see them i could easily see them you know with a lesser less than stellar seed um not with a number one seed or not even with a number two seed Um, then I could see them winning a playoff round that they're not, quote, supposed to win and then see them losing in the Eastern Conference Finals. I could see that. Now, this is, again, also assuming that this is your roster. Yeah. Right. I'm I'm basing this on the roster that they have, so I'm not basing this on them having James Harden, nor am I basing this on them playing a Philadelphia team that has James Harden. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I'm basing it on if James Harden is actually in Houston and... The Nets players that we see, for the most part, are the Nets players that we will see two months from now and three months from now. I would say, yeah, forty-five wins and maybe a conference final. Yeah, I think that's it for me too. It's this East
0: playoffs to me crazy. It's me really all about matchups, right? Like I think Brooklyn actually matches up reasonably well with Milwaukee with the the way that they can shoot threes, and Milwaukee doesn't really have anyone to guard KD. Uh, they don't have anyone to guard Giannis either. That's a little bit of a problem, right. you know. But maybe they can get that guy uh, to, in the the buyout market or via a trade you know miami is a, a fascinating matchup boston will be a fascinating matchup with them as well and yeah, i mean the coaching in the playoffs too it's the first time head coach steve nash going against great guys like a nick nurse or brad stevens or eric Spoelstra. you know he's gonna have his work cut out for him as well if it does end up being a close series well thanks again, brian uh really appreciate you coming on this is a fascinating team fascinating discussion uh thanks so much work everyone keep up uh with your work throughout the season as i'm sure there will be be no shortage of stories about the brooklyn nets
1: this season oh well thanks for having me and you can find uh you can find my work in the new york post or nypost.com or on twitter at nypost underscore lewis all right thanks again brian thanks so much for listening to this free preview
0: of dunked on prime total access a reminder we are having our preseason sale 35 percent off when you buy a year membership to dunked on Prime, total access. Get it now, as the sale ends when the season starts. You all have heard me talk many times about my wife here on the show. You might recall that she's a yoga teacher, and I wanted to let you know that she is starting her own streaming service called Yoga with Ashlyn, A-I-S-L-I-N-N, that's how you spell it. And if you enjoy our meticulous, data-oriented approach here on Dunked On, either you or a significant other will find this to be the best streaming service there is for yoga. Unlike apparently a lot of teachers, she spends about an hour planning the sequence for each class. Why is that important? Well, it helps you get the most out of every second that you're on the mat, whether it's one of her quick 10 minute refresh classes or one of her super hardcore inversion labs. This detailed sequencing makes all the difference whether you're looking for injury prevention, getting into that really hard pose you haven't been able to master, or just getting your mind right at the end of a really hard day. She's got over 130 classes and that library is growing at one to two classes per week. She'll even take requests from members on new classes that they'd like. You can search by poses, by body part if you're feeling something is tight. She's really built an impressive platform. And whether you want to get into yoga more yourself or you know someone who is really into yoga and is looking for a way to get a lot better, check out Yoga with Ashlyn. There's a free seven-day trial. You can either go to yogawithashlyn.com or there's a link to her service in the description of this podcast. That's yogawithashlyn.com, A-I-S-L-I-N-N, or just click the link in the podcast description.